Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, All Good Points. This is your host, Ricky Gray Jr. Some surprising underdogs came out on top this week, which shows that anything can happen under the bright lights. One of those upsets actually led to the head coach getting fired after the game. Moving on, I've got a ton of questions to answer from Instagram, and as always, my fantasy news of the week. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. So there were some huge upsets this week. I'm going to start with my favorite one happened on Thursday night. It was the Dallas Cowboys grinding out a win over the New Orleans Saints. Just for the record, I called that game if you go back to episode 13. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, sometimes you have to believe what I say. I'm just saying, you know, maybe, maybe take what I'm saying to heart. Just saying. All right. Anyways, but what shocked me the most was how New Orleans wasn't able to score until the fourth quarter. Now, that just kind of goes to show how good the Dallas defense is. Now, you can say that it was like, oh, a flute game. Drew Brees was off. He couldn't hit anybody. Alvin Kamara got shut down. Whatever. You can, you can pretty much say whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is, Dallas shut down one of the best offenses in the league. Now, you can't do anything but say that's a credit to their defense. But... What we're going to do now is take a look and see how David exactly beat Goliath. Now, going into this game, New Orleans was minus seven and a half points across the spread. A couple of places had different ones, like six and a half or like eight and a half. It was just different. It it varied, but the average was pretty much seven and a half. So they were going to at least, according to the books, they were going to at least win by eight points or a touchdown. So let's take a look at the time of possession first, because just like you all know, I am big when it comes to time of possession. I focus on time of possession heavily, and I explain this all the time. The fact of the matter is, is if your offense is on the field way more than the opposing team's offense, and their defense has to stay out there and defend you 24-7, or for the big portion of the game, there's a much better chance that you're going to win. And that's exactly what happened. Time of possession, Dallas had 36 minutes and 53 seconds versus New Orleans, 23 minutes and seven seconds. Now, that is one of the things where you kind of take a step back and you look at it and you're like, man, that is 13 minutes. Almost, that's almost 14 minutes of total playtime. So basically a quarter. So a quarter of the game, New Orleans offense was not out on the field. Now, that is huge to have on a team like New Orleans. If you have that big of a gap in time of possession, that means that your offense was doing its job driving down the field. This wasn't a high sto- high scoring game at all. By any sense of the word, it wasn't. You know, the over, I think, was 40, and it didn't even get near that. So you kind of have this interesting thing that happens where a team like Dallas is able to hold New Orleans to under 25 minutes of time, of offensive time, which basically shut them down. Essentially, New Orleans got shut down by Dallas from the time of possession output. You kind of look at that kind of thing. My other my other big point of emphasis is third down. Okay, so third down, Dallas was seven for 14. That's a 50% uh, third down conversion rate. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Now take a look at New Orleans. New Orleans was three for 11. That is 27% conversion rate. That's abysmal. Okay, Dallas did what they needed to do. Take a look at total drives. Both of them had nine drives. Dallas had nine drives. New Orleans had nine drives. Dallas had 308 yards versus New Orleans 176 yards. That's a that's a 132 yard difference. Okay, 
you have to understand those are the the same equal amount of drives, but Dallas was able to extend theirs longer versus New Orleans that couldn't get any big plays going. Okay, they couldn't drive down the field, they couldn't score until the fourth quarter. That's <clears throat> it's not a recipe to win to get win a game. That's just that's the reality of it. You can't win a game if you cannot sustain uh, sustain a drive down the field and at least score a couple of points. They only lost by three. It's not like they lost by a whole lot of points or anything like that. They didn't get blown out. But it was such a grindy game that New Orleans could not get those big play possibilities going. They couldn't move the ball down the field. New Orleans average yards per pass, check this out. This is Drew Brees we're talking about, okay? Average yards per pass, 3.7 yards. Those are check downs. Those are quick slants. That is nothing that is beyond 10 yards, okay? Consistently, anyways. So from, from the aspect of it, most of his passes had to be under 10 yards. Now, I know that it's kind of one of those things where you, you look at it and you go, man, they had a really bad game. Oh, Dallas isn't that good. You know, Dallas, eh, whatever. Dallas, whatever. They're not that good. That's a one-time game. That won't happen again. But it possibly could happen again. New Orleans was not ready for, for that fearsome Dallas defense. And when I say fearsome, I mean fearsome. And it's because of one particular guy. Like there's there's one guy on the Dallas defense that I highlight 24-7 just because I think he's such a great player and he kind of goes unnoticed. But we'll talk about Alvin Kamara really quick. He was shut down, 11 carries for 36 yards. If you can hold out Alvin Kamara to under 100 yards, period, including receiving, you're on your way to win a game. That's just the reality of it. I don't care what you say. That offense is is centered around Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara because those are the two biggest threats on that offense, okay? But let's talk about the Dallas defense. Number one person that I always talk about, I love him. I think he's a great football player. I wish he was playing in Minnesota. His name is Demarcus Lawrence, okay? He is the never-ending motor. Like, this guy is like an energizer bunny on speed. Like, he is he is ridiculous. He is fast. He is angry. He's he's uh, breaking through, uh, breaking through offensive linemen, not even to necessarily sack Breeze because he only had one sack, but he's putting so many pressures on Breeze. Like Breeze could not set his feet and get going just because that line kept getting blown up. You got Taco Charlton from Michigan in there. Love him because he played at Michigan, but you have this defense that is, is what for me, one of the most underrated defenses in the league. And that shows right here. That it's the facts, the stats show that Dallas have has one of the the best defenses because they were able to hold New Orleans to ten points. Tell me another team that's held New Orleans to ten points. The Minnesota Vikings are a team that is considered to have a great defense, and they got mollywopped by the Saints. Okay, so you have to. Put in perspective of how good that Dallas defense is. Demarcus Lawrence stats, he had four tackles, one sack, and one forced fumble. That's a great game, man. That's a great game. You did what you were supposed to do. You were able to go in there, do your thing, put pressure on Breeze so he can't set his feet, he can't look downfield, he has to throw checkdowns, and that's how his average yards per pass ended up being 3.7. That's the recipe for a win. Defense, running the ball, time of possession, and third down recipes to win. That's the way to do it. It's not always about how many points you score. I preach that all the time. You don't have to score a whole lot of points, okay? That's, it's the reality of it. You don't need to score a whole lot of points just to win a game. Now, 
we're going to head to MetLife Stadium where the Giants were able to fend off the Bears in overtime. Okay, now this was a game that I did not see going this way. I, I easily picked the Bears because I was like, the, <laughs> the reality of it is the Bears are going to win. That's just the way that it is. You kind of you get caught up in the hype behind a team sometimes, and uh, you can't really put into perspective that maybe another team might have a head up on them, right? But this was a neck-and-neck game between the first-place team in the NFC North and the last-place team in the NFC East. And yet, here we are. The Giants were able to fend off Chicago and put another W in the New York win column. Now, that's big for New York. That's big for Pat Shermer. That's one of the things that they need to build off of going into their next season. They need to build off of these wins against top caliber teams. And the Bears have a top caliber defense. And although they were without, you know, the stellar Mitchell uh, Mitchell Trubisky, um, I kind of thought that the Chicago defense was really just going to destroy Eli and Chase Daniels was going to be able to kind of do his thing and move the ball downfield and score some points. But that's not what happened. What ended up happening was uh, Saquon Barkley puts up another 100-yard rushing game against a Chicago defense that is known for being one of the most stingy defenses in the league, right? But instead, New York goes in there and, and is able to run for over 100 yards. I think he ended up having 125 or something like that. But it's, it's one of those things like, how do, how do you stop that? That's the, the crazy thing is about that kid from Penn State is that he is so relentless in his running. He reminds me of an old-school running back like a Herschel Walker or a um, or an Earl Campbell or an Eddie George, except he has so, like, he's so fast, too. Like, he's a very, very fast and elusive back, like a Warwick Dunn or something like that. Like, he's just a hybrid of so many running backs that it's it's amazing. It's It's so much fun to watch. But let's talk about Chicago's offense. They had some struggles on third down, okay? Two for 15, 13% on third down. You want to tell me you're going to win a game being 13% on third down? No, there's no way. The crazy thing is they almost won the game, but that kind of just shows how bad New York is on offense, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, time of possession were, or, uh, was virtually identical. Chicago had 33, point, or 33 minutes and 58 seconds, and New York had 33 minutes and 13 seconds. So that was a... Um, it was a kind of like a strange thing to happen. It was kind of like the stars aligned for New York, and I couldn't be happier for New York. One, it knocks the Bears down a peg to where Minnesota has a chance to win the NFC North. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll get to that in my Q&A portion. Um, but the the reality behind the situation is uh, New York actually needed that win. You know, they needed that win more than anything else, and it's it's great that they got it. Uh, So we're going to move on to my last and final upset. Josh Rosen and the Cardinals were able to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? The Packers were at home in Lambeau just days after Aaron lined up his playoff route by saying he was going to beat the Cardinals. That was his start. He said, you know, we play Arizona, we'll beat them. Like, so smug about it. And then the Cardinals come in and beat you. Just... Stay humble, okay? Stay humble. You are one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. Don't get me wrong. Stay humble. Stay focused, right? The game was pretty much exactly the same The same on the stat sheet, which really did not bode well for Mike McCarthy since they played so bad, right? They played so bad. They lost a game to a, a team that they really shouldn't have lost a game to. Um, and inevitably, that's what... that's. It was a lot of building blocks that built up to him losing his job. Um, 
but the reasons why Green Bay lost was they were 3-for-14 on third down, and their leading rusher only had 36 yards. There was also a missed field goal, a field goal by uh, Mason Crosby, but missed field goals are something that's been happening in the league for like the last three years. <clears throat> and talking about missed field goals, last week I said Morton Anderson missed a field goal for the Vikings. I was corrected. It was Gary Anderson. I apologize for that. Please don't hang me. Um, but it, the reality is the last three years, teams have been missing a lot of field goals. But um, at the same time, they've been able to overcome it with offensive firepower, and it showed that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers do not have the offensive firepower that they've had in years before, okay? But what we're going to talk about now, we're going to go into some options for uh, Green Bay's new coach. Okay, so let's talk about some of the coaching options for Green Bay, okay? The the guy that's pretty much on everybody's radar around the league is Josh McDaniels. Now, this guy has been with Tom Brady since 2004, which would instantly create a connection with McDaniels and Aaron Rodgers because he's been able to coach great quarterbacks before. He has a good offense. I like his offense. Um, and there's there's a couple of key things about him that we have to remember, one of the things is that McDaniels actually backed out of the Colts job last season, even when he had already started assembling his staff. So reliability-wise, that's not a great look for McDaniels, you know? Although he is a great offensive coach, it's kind of like your reputation, you know? If you if you have a bad reputation or you do something like that, like back out of coaching the Colts to go and coach, uh, or to go and continue to be the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl-winning team, it kind of makes teams think like, okay, well, this guy is not interested in building a team. He wants rings and he wants them now, so he's going to continue with a team that will put him in the best possible situation to get rings. It's kind of like Kevin Durant. So if you think of McDaniels, think of Kevin Durant. Okay. Um, so he was a head coach in Denver for two seasons. Um, and even though he doesn't have the best track record or maybe the best reputation, me personally, I feel like he's the best option for a new Packers head coach. And the reason being is because he does have a proven offense. His offense works. Okay. He also has coached um, a great quarterback like Tom Brady he has a good relationship with him. So he's able to, he would be able to uh, develop Aaron Rodgers a little bit more for the seasons that Aaron Rodgers has left. And to be honest, I really only think that Rodgers has maybe like two seasons left in him. I don't think he has longer than two or three years. Like I, it's sad to say, um, but Mike McCarthy really wasted a lot of Aaron Rodgers' uh, prime years. And it's, I can't put it all on McCarthy because that's front office drafting um, that was bad. They paid Rodgers a, a crazy, crazy amount of money, which inevitably started this um, this domino effect of not being able to sign free agents or um, have a whole lot of salary cap room to work with when it came to like trades or things like that. Like they they have. If I remember correctly, it's 12 rookies that are starting on their team. And I'm not saying that rookies can't come in there and be great because there, there has been a bunch of rookies that have showed up and, and been crazy, crazy good. I mean, look at Barkley in, um, in New York, you know, or look at Nick Chubb in Cleveland, you know. But that's – it's it's kind of like a dime a dozen kind of thing, you know. You've got guys like – um like Sam Darnold, you know, for for example, Sam Darnold, he's a rookie and they threw him right into the mix right from the jump and, you know, he started off hot and now what's happened, you know, teams have figured him figured him out and um 
he's not playing as well anymore. So you you kind of think about like what happened with Green Bay and the 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 trickle effect that happened with them paying Aaron Rodgers so much money. But I do think that Josh McDaniels could bring in a new energy for them, uh, maybe like a newfound like a newfound passion for the game. He'd probably be able to develop a lot of those guys on the offensive side of the ball, maybe bring in his offense or parts of his offense, keep some of the McCarthy stuff because some of the McCarthy stuff is good. Um, But he would actually be able to develop players, I think, a little bit better than McCarthy was. Um, And and really, I think he gives uh, the Green Bay Packers the best chance to win. Another option that they're looking at and some other people are looking at is uh, John Filippo, the offensive, offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Um, to be fair, John was great in Philly, so maybe his offense will work better in Green Bay than it does in Minnesota. But the fact of the matter is he has a very inconsistent run game. Uh, he, he strays away from the run game very, very fast and he throws or he calls check down plays for some reason. It it's pissing Mike Zimmer off. So the one thing that I can guarantee you is that John Filippo will not be in Minnesota by the end of the season. There's, there is absolutely no way under no, no circumstance that, that John Filippo will be there at the end of the season. Um, the last person um, that I think is actually kind of interesting, okay? Bruce Arians has spoke about coming out of retirement to coach the Browns, but that was before the Packer job opened up, and that'd be a great team for him to come back uh, to to come back to coach for because it'll be a lot less stress on him. He can actually develop some people and he's worked with some great quarterbacks before he worked with Peyton Manning. He worked with Andrew Luck and he worked with Big Ben. So he's been able to to work with some really, really great quarterbacks. And the the big thing for Green Bay right now is who is going to mesh the best with Aaron Rodgers. Who's going to be the person that actually is able to develop him better or look out for his needs or what he wants to do on offense and things like that, which is a beautiful thing because it looks like the organization is understanding that they don't have Aaron Rodgers for a very long time. He's not going to be around for a very long time. So they need to get wins now. You know, that's that's one of their most important things. I don't think that, I definitely don't think that John Filippo fits that group though because of his inconsistencies. I do think that Bruce Arians would be a good coach for them, um, but I actually think that Josh McDaniels is the be-all, end-all for Green Bay. Like, I think he'd actually go in there and be a great coach for them. Also, I think out of those two, like, John Filippo is young, um, but I also think it's his young and inexperienced uh, form that isn't going to do well for him as far as coaching goes. Um, but Bruce Arians is up there in age, you know. Maybe he won't be coaching for a long time. Josh McDaniels has a lot of time left for him coaching. So I think that's the best person for them to build a team around as far as a head coach goes. Um, So what we're going to do now is it's time for me to answer some questions from Instagram, but just a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I go to find background music? And how do I distribute my show to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. I know. It's crazy. So download Anchor. Start making your podcast today. All right. So it's time for some questions from Instagram. 
First question coming up, after the loss, do I think the Vikings could still win the division with the loss to the Bears? Um, There's a chance because the Bears could lose another game to the Rams, but Minnesota would have to win out, essentially. Um, They are at win-out point, um, especially to win a division, uh, let alone to get into the playoffs because there are a lot of teams that uh, are right in that spot to actually uh, take that playoff spot from them. Also, if they do get into the playoffs, um, do we really think they could uh, they could go deep? Uh, that's a question that you have to ask yourself. Is is it better for them to get into the playoffs and lose in the first round? Or maybe is it better for them to um, kind of continue, uh, win some games, and uh, focus on uh, drafting for the next season? Sometimes you got to let seasons go. That's that's the reality of it. Um, and I know that sounds like maybe like quitter talk or something like that. But unfortunately, the way that it's going right now, it looks like they would get into the playoffs and pretty much lose in the first round, regardless of who they played. It's also an any given Sunday kind of thing, you know, um, depending on what this, what seed they end up as. Um, but it's it's not looking great for Minnesota, especially with some of the play calling that's going on on offense. Um, Thomas asked, what made me start the podcast? Um one of the things that made me start made me start the podcast was uh I realized how much I talk about sports to uh pretty much everyone and I realized that it'd be better for me to actually record um some of the things that I think about sports or uh some of the frequent news that I see and uh record it and distribute it with with my opinion on it um and one of the things most frequently and it's it's on my intro um is that there there are so many people on you know TV platforms or even podcast platforms that are very biased to certain teams um and and one of the things that was like the most prevalent to me was especially when it came to Minnesota stuff like it it was interesting because a lot of times you would see like pregame stuff and they would always have like like Steelers players and Patriots players and Packer players and like Oakland Raider players and stuff like that and I was just like Minnesota is 13 and 3 this year. Why why are there no Minnesota Vikings players in this? Or when you have commentators on games and they're just kind of like crapping on the Vikings. It was it was tough to kind of hear and then, you know, it, it it extends to players, you know, where they would say things like, you know, Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league, but then they would not really go on to explain why he's the best quarterback in the league or why it's mostly coaching that that makes him seem like the best coach in the league. So it was kind of interesting. Um, and, but that's what made me start the podcast because it was like, you know, I think people needed an unbiased view to things. And and that part's beautiful for me. I love giving an unbiased view on things. Um, Chef Mackie Mack asked, do I think the Vikings will take the division or the wild card? Um, there's a better chance that they will take the wild card than anything else. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I can't really say too much on that. I don't think they'll win the division. Uh, Ben Harris asked, is the Vikings my favorite team? Yeah, uh, definitely. hundred percent. I have a Vikings tattoo on my right leg. Um, I, I love the Vikings. I've loved the Vikings ever since I was a kid. Um, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of heartbreak there. And I am one of the people that, uh, realistically will stick by my team regardless of what happens. Um, even when we had mostly losing seasons and were towards the bottom of the NFC North, 
and everybody was talking about the Packers and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of teams or a lot of people jump ship to other teams. I was never like that. I could never be like that. I am a I am a Minnesota sports fan up until the day that I die. And then even after that, I will be a Minnesota sports fan. Um, T. Lacey asked, who's in the Super Bowl? Uh, Super Bowl is going to be Patriots and the Saints. Drew, B- Drew Brees will lose to Tom Brady. Tom Brady will win another Super Bowl ring and he will retire. Um, probably along with Bill Belichick. Sosa Sosa 09 asked, will the Vikes make the playoffs? I believe that they have a better chance of making the playoffs, but mainly just because I think they could edge out the Panthers and the Redskins because I do think the Redskins will lose out of their spot. But now it's time to get some fantasy news of the week and Rick's picks. Thank you so much for the question, guys. I had so much fun. Guess who's in the championship? Ya boy. But before we get into that, let's talk about the top performers of the week. Coming in at number one, this is in a PPR format. I decided to switch it up a little bit this week for all my PPR players. Uh, Number one was Travis Kelsey, 38.8 points. He had a monster game, 12 receptions, 168 yards, two touchdowns. They couldn't stop him. They could not do anything about Travis Kelsey. Uh, Number two was Keenan Allen. He had 36.8 points, 14 receptions, 148 yards, one touchdown crazy game for that guy. He had a crazy game. Uh, Last but not least was uh, Tariq Cohen. Came in at 34.6 points, 12 receptions, 156 yards, 30 yards rushing, and one pass touchdown. It's crazy that so many other players besides quarterbacks are getting touchdown passes. I mean, I think Odell has two touchdown passes on the year now. That's crazy. It's dope, though. Like, it's, it's really, really cool to see offense is opening it up to where it's actually something completely different and defenses are so confused as to what's going on let's talk about some people in note though this is back into the uh, standard format you got adrian peterson he had 15.8 points nine rushes for 98 yards now that would have been nine or it would have been eight rushes for eight yards but he had that 90 yard touchdown run um that dude can still just bust these crazy yard runs out, and he's still just as fast as he was before. I mean, he's lost a step, of course, but he's so elusive, and he's such a good back. The only thing is you cannot count on big runs all the time because it's not always going to happen. It's just not. That's the truth of it. Um, another thing to note is James Conner is out for a while, so look to see Jalen Samuels or Steven Ridley, okay? Um, last but not least, the Giants defense and special team, 16 points against a, a a pretty good Bears offense that scored 27 points. Um, they uh, the the Giants defense and special teams are going to go on to play a decimated Washington offense. I honestly think that they might be able to rein in Adrian Peterson. So if you've got the Giant, if the Giants are actually on the waiver wire, I say start them against the Washington offense. I mean they they've got Mark Sanchez as a quarterback. You can't go too wrong with that, right? Um, now this is the final week or the first week, sorry, of my two week championship game against a guy that has lost one game through the regular season. Okay, and this is this is for the Bucks. This is for this is for the Marbles. Okay, but frankly, I'm in a little bit of trouble. He's starting Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. My advantage is really at running backs because I've got Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, AP on the bench, and Melvin Gordon, depending on if he plays or not. Fingers crossed, Melvin come back. Um, the projections, though, have set it at a close game with me having 128.2 and him at 131.9. Uh, fingers crossed that the projections are wrong and I'm actually able to get a pretty big jump on him. Also, he might have to worry about a couple of things as far as like the late weeks go because... Uh, 
they might be benching some players. Uh, it's fingers crossed that it'll happen, but you know, hopefully I'm able to edge out a win for you guys and I'll take a picture with the trophy posted on my Instagram at all good points podcast. But now let's get to Rick's picks. Okay, so let's start off with the Thursday game. I got to take the Titans over the Jaguars. Moving on to the Sunday games, I'm taking the Bills over the Jets, the Giants over the Redskins, Saints over the Bucks, Patriots over the Dolphins, Chiefs over the Ravens, Texans over the Colts, Falcons over the Packers, Panthers over the Browns, Broncos over the Niners, Chargers over the Bengals, Lions over the Cardinals, Steelers over the Raiders, Cowboys over the Eagles, Rams over the Bears, and Vikings over the Seahawks. I don't have uh, really any upsets in there. I'm kind of picking all all favorites, but that's kind of just the way that I see the week going anyways. Um, but remember to rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. You guys have been amazing. Remember the next time that you're setting your lineup, use Thrive Fantasy to win big bucks and it's all sports, all players, and all good points. I'll see you next time.